We were all taught in school that Greenland is icy and that Iceland is actually quite nice and green. But why are they named this way? Let's also look at some meteorological and astronomical events that occur in these places that you might make a part of your list for next year's vacations. In this episode of the EF Show, we're going to be talking about how Iceland and Greenland aren't exactly named the way they're supposed to be, but why they are named the way they are. So starting out with Greenland, uh, the name Greenland actually comes from Scandinavian settlers. In the Norse sagas, um, it is said that Eric the Red was exiled from Iceland. He set out in ships to find a land only rumored to be in the northwest. After settling there, he named the, la the land Griffinland, which is Greenland. And Greenland was also named Gruntland, ground land, on early maps, and that's from the Times of India. Um, and, you know, that's actually quite interesting thinking about that, you know. Um, they just called it what it was. They just saw stuff and was like, okay, we're going to name it that. But nowadays, we're coming up with the most random names for places in the world. But, uh, yeah, so that's how Greenland was named. Not exactly what you thought it was going to be, but that's how it ended up going. So an article from Nature World News uh, talked about how Greenland gets its name from an Icelandic murderer uh, that was exiled there and who called it Greenland in hopes that the name would attract settlers. But it turns out that long ago, Greenland was actually quite green. And so that starts to put into question maybe whenever these people settled there that maybe, you know, maybe it was green and grassy. Maybe it was something that, you know, we haven't seen. So to prove that, uh, there is a new study um, of the world's largest island, and it reveals that the ancient dirt in Greenland is actually cryogenically frozen for millions of years underneath about two miles of ice. So, you know, this stuff is just preserved from the time, the day, you know, everything is just right there, so there's nothing tampered with. More than 2.5 million years ago, Greenland looked like a green a Alaskan tundra. Before that, it was covered in, uh, by the second largest body of ice on Earth, and that's from the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory, um, and Greenland's ice, uh, you know, it, like, during the Ice Age, it's kind of weird because parts of the world weren't affected as much, so, I mean, seeing how this all can be saved and, you know, kind of flattened down and stuff, it's really fascinating, um, but Greenland's ancient dirt tells a story of climate change. Huge, uh, huge ice sheets melting and growing in response to temperature changes occurred. According to the researchers, Greenland's ancient landscape is preserved beneath its ice sheet. The meteoric beryllium-10, present in an analysis of ancient dirt, suggests that it was once sat at Earth's surface for a long time before Greenland was covered in ice. Meteoric beryllium-10 literally rains down onto Earth's surface when cosmic rays hit the atmosphere. The researchers said, noting that uh, the element gets stuck in soil. So, I mean, this is stuck in soil. That's our big thing there. It's not ice. It's soil. It'll get stuck in soil. So that means we have to have, you know, warmer temperatures that isn't frozen over ice middle of nowhere. Um, IcelandReview.com talks about how... Uh, you know, the more meteoric beryllium-10 atoms present in soil, the longer the soil sat at the surface. Researchers can count the number of atoms in the dirt using an accelerated mass spectrometer. 
So, I mean, we have the technology to do this with, so we're going through and, you know, looking at everything. And uh, Iceland is said to have been named by a Norwegian Viking called some name that I don't even know and don't even recognize a letter in. But according to the Landamia, which is the Book of Settlements, this person sailed to Iceland from Norway with his family and livestock and planned to settle in the new country he had heard so much about. This person believed uh, that they had sailed ashore in um, some place, some place, um, the southern shore of the West Fjords Peninsula in about 865 A.D. Ancient remnants of the house that this person uh, is said to have built, um, they named it something. Uh, the actual like house itself is located near the pier of another word I can't say, um, but. You know, that's actually quite interesting. So if you want to go check that out, um, and maybe you can pronounce or read those words, um, I'll leave a link in the description for it. But, I mean, you can still see this stuff now, which is showing, you know, how well preserved it is and everything. But settlers were so preoccupied with fishing that they forgot to make hay for their livestock and other necessary preparations for the winter. So this person hiked up the mountains and saw that uh, this place was packed with ice. Other sources say that he was looking at um, some other location, but um, it's kind of disputed. Um, he therefore named the country uh, Island, actually, Iceland in their language, um, and it has been known as that ever since. So this person later returned and became one of the uh, island's many permanent settlers. So uh, the two other Norse seafarers had to name it too. Um, so this person, I can actually try to guess this person's name, Natador, um, from Norway, put his departure snow fell on the mountains, so he named the entire country Snæland, which is Snowland. I mean, these people are pretty much common sense namers. I mean, they see it and they name it. I mean, it was simple of the time, and I mean, if it was the only place that was like that, then it'd be easy to spot. Swedish Viking um, Svartsen, um, after one winter in North Iceland, he humbly named the country his own name. Um, and so it's uh, nicknamed the Isle of Garor, and of course, the selfish guy named it after himself. Uh, Thule first mentioned it in Greek lighting, uh, writings from the explorer Pythias on, uh, in, on the ocean of a region in the far north. However, Fuel said that uh, it could also apply to Greenland, Norway, Orkney, or Scandinavia. So that's the problem about all these are with written text. People uh, had maps that were so bad that they couldn't tell exactly. I mean, if you went to Google Earth today, you wouldn't be able to tell what's what because things were so distorted. Now, a lot of the coastlines were great, but where countries were, there was no clear border unless it was like a fence. And rarely was it that. So really, you know, you couldn't tell was it Greenland, Norway, Orkney, or Scandinavia if all you'd ever heard about it was a few uh, passing words. So according to some written sources, Irish monks actually lived in the country before Norse settlers came and chased them all away. They were called the Papper and were uh, often referenced in some place names in Iceland. Although there are no archaeological evidence uh, pieces for their stay there, um, it is still considered that they could have been there. Um, you know, that stuff was so long ago that who knows um, if it could have been them or not. But the uh, Irish monistic St. Brendan, the navigator, is said to have visited the country in the 6th century, uh, long before Norse settlers had arrived. 
He met um, the anchorite Paul, who had lived in the country for 60 years, or as the story goes. There are many stories and claims of this, where people had stayed on the island long before the Norse had arrived, but the Norse were the first on written documented record to have stayed. So really, the Norse should have been, uh, you know, been able to call it whatever they wanted to. Um, they are the only ones to have also uh, proven that they had archaeological evidence um, that actually supports their stay, not just po popping around there. But they have the stuff there. So, phys.org talks about one of the big uncertainties of climate change remains how fast the Earth changes when it gets warmer. Today, northwest Greenland hovers in the 30s and low 40s Fahrenheit in the, and uh, weather weathers in the snowstorms in the summer. But average summer temperatures in the early Holocene, about 8,000 to 11,000 years ago, and last interglacial, which is 116,000 to 130,000 years ago, climbed into the well 50s. So we're seeing temperatures in the 50s. I mean, and for up there where it's, you know, in Greenland where it's just snowing nonstop, that's quite hot compared to, you know what I mean, everything about climate change today. So... You think of the Ice Age, well, there were these places, as I mentioned, that, you know, there were some changes that not the entire Earth was involved in. So today, warming stems from man-made sources that is happening much faster than warming during those interglacial periods. That means that there is a chance that Earth might not respond to the current day warming in the same way. And this is fascinating because, you know, we're seeing all these fires happen now and stuff, but, you know, back then there was different natural phenomena that could have helped aid Earth's recovery. But now where it's just kind of us and we're just harming it more and more, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what does Earth do out of this. So, I mean, this is all uh, crazy about, you know, whenever you consider that with climate change. While the stories are fun and stuff, um, you have to look and see at the archaeological data to prove a whole lot of this. So, um, I mean, today's possibilities of something similar to this happening, um, you know, we're not going to see those same temperatures. We're not going to see a whole lot of big ice and interglacial things. In fact, most of our glaciers are uh, melting away. And that brings up the point about water. We're having sea level rise and everything. And, you know, this all just kind of centers around that whole climate change topic. But... I mean, it's all quite interesting looking, you know, we look back at the history of everything and uh, with the, you know, first people uh, starting to navigate the earth, you got people like Magellan who decided to go all the way around the world. Um, it's minds like these and uh, the curiosity that really allowed uh, earth to be so, you know, I mean, we circumnavigated the globe and that's with old technology. So it's fascinating to see, you know, how much written record can prove, but it also tells a story. So, this week in weather news, um, winter storm Cade strolls across the U.S., dropping a lot of snow in the plains. Rain and snow mix in the Great Lakes, bringing a severe threat to the south. Tornadoes are very likely due to the very moist air being brought north into much of the south. All of this is thanks to a cold front of connecting pressure systems spanning from May to te Maine to Texas. Much of the nation is lacking in snowfall this year. Cade will help to get some of that um, back to the about average. And looking back at January, there was a lack of snow everywhere. Like, we had nothing. It was really not a fun time. And the Groundhog says that early spring is upon us. No doubt that this week is represented that prediction to a T. We have had warm temperatures in a lot of places, then some snow. Which, I mean, if you look at springs in the past years, that's exactly how it's been. 
So looking ahead, will everyone get their average snowfall this year? How much snow are places still to get? Are we actually going to have an early spring or maybe a late season snowstorm? With less than a month of meteorologic, uh, with less than a month to meteorological spring, who even knows if winter will continue or if this year, warmth will dominate much of the nation. A lot of this can be traced back to climate change, um, but will we ever see winters like we're used to again, or is this the new normal? Um, so that's something that I just wanted to you know get this podcast out there because you know haven't posted it in a few weeks, so I wanted to get something back out there, and so I wanted to start off with a fun story that I had read recently. So I mean, really though, this all can go back to climate change and looking at uh, a lot of weird scenarios and a lot of weird uh, you know situations that man-made products and factories and things are creating nowadays so it's definitely something that we're going to have to watch out for and uh yeah we're going to have to start supporting you know climate change efforts to uh you know reverse these effects because i mean 1.5 degrees can create as many fires as what's happening in australia so i mean when the when you involve the water rise with that and then condensation of uh population who even knows what that's going to turn into? Well, I want to thank you all very much for listening or watching if you're watching this on YouTube. And uh, stay tuned next week. We're going to be coming out with more forecasts and stuff. That's why this was shorter also. Because uh, we're working on some forecasts and some uh, educational weather videos. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned for all that. Check out the social medias for updates for when those videos will be posted. And next week we have a really exciting episode on a new topic. So make sure you stay tuned until then. Um, and, yeah, I really hope you enjoyed this. And uh, stick around for uh, any other podcasts that are going to be suggested right about now. Thank you all again. Have a great day.